Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Oh, I guess I should go next. Hey, everyone, it's Mike Forrester. What's up, dudes? Hello. So if you're watching, you can see we have four people, two guests. Say what's up to our buddy Jason Chiodo, or you say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody, I can't believe it. I'm on TTM. Look at me, Mom. <laughs> Look. And Kiefer Jenkins. Hi. You got to say something, Kiefer. This is Hi. YouTube, but also a uh, audio recording. Uh, hey, how's it going? I'm Kiefer. Wow. I'm friends with it. Jason and these guys. So, Kiefer, if you're not watching, if you're a listener right now, you're missing out because Kiefer went full on. You, you have your actual like shooting rig with your anamorphic lens and all this. Yeah, my, my Blackmagic cinema camera, anamorphic <laughs> lens. I have a lightsaber behind me and uh, a diffusion filter. Going for it. This is about as overkill as we can get, but I would expect nothing less, Kiefer, to be honest. If, if you do it, you got to do it right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wow. I think we all still have time to go and get some Vaseline to put on our cameras here. Maybe we can keep up with Kiefer. Yeah, I, I got to hide the wheels on the, the land speeder. I'll get the Vaseline. <laughs> wow. So we, uh, we did something this weekend, huh? We did. Did anyone do anything cool this weekend? I almost died from um, lack of sleep. So did I, actually, now that I think about it. Well, uh, if, if you read the title of this episode, you know that we're talking about Mosh Eisley, San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con, which we did this past Friday, July 21st. It was a long, long process of, of planning, uh, preparing the show, doing all, all kinds of production stuff that we, we hadn't done prior. It was, uh, it was quite a process, and that production required some help from some friends, two of which are right here. And we thought we'd get together today to kind of go behind the scenes of what we did, talk about how we, we even got into the idea of doing this, this additional production and then some of the fun stuff that we got to use, some of the fun technology and story ideas and all the theatrics, all the good stuff. So that's why we have Jason and Kiefer here on the podcast. Happy to be here, guys. Good same, to have same goes for me. You know, it was a lot of work and a lot of fun. And I think at the end of the day, everybody had a had a lot of fun at the show and that, that, you know, what more can you ask for than that? For sure. I think, I think people had a good time. I would go ahead I would and agree. say that. So let's, I mean, let's, I guess for, for frame of reference for people who have not heard us banter about Mosh Eisley, this is our, I think third standalone show that we didn't partnership with someone, but this is technically our fourth Mosh Eisley. 
But in regards to us being able to do the production, this was our third one previously coming off the heels of what would have been Las Vegas back in October. Mm -hmm. Previously, Anaheim at Celebration 2022. So we knew that there was, I think for us, and I love this episode because people get to see a little bit of what it looks like for us to be able to plan this and try to figure out exactly what all this looks like, right? And we got this idea to do San Diego Comic-Con. Adam, do you remember how that came about? Like how we actually were able to turn this into a reality? Because I remember Nick went to Comic-Con last year and said, the after parties are the after parties, but they're so themed and they almost seem like they're so targeted at uh, like a, a mass of people versus a focus of people, right? And he was like, mm -hmm. we should do a Mosh Eisley at San Diego Comic-Con. And I remember very specifically being like, there's no way that we could actually bring Mosh Eisley to San Diego Comic-Con, right? Yeah, we were, we were intimidated for sure. And I remember specifically being the one that was like, okay, we can't commit to this unless we have a bunch of uh, video assets and, and photos and all of like all the marketing stuff ahead of time prepped because I'm not about to like be part of going for the biggest con ever. Like the one that anyone who doesn't know of all the other cons thinks, oh, there's, there's just Comic Con, right? In San Diego, they think that's the only one, right? So if, if we're going to do that, we need to come out swinging when we announce it, when we lead up to it, when tickets go on sale, when the actual show happens. And it was all so intimidating but we ultimately decided that we could not do it. And then hearing how long it was going to be for the next celebration, it, 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 it just seems like something that we had to do. We just had to kind of like face the fear of, of going that big this early in our, our journey as this kind of like company now, basically. And uh, we went for it. And luckily, Jason, who, who's been a, a patron of the podcast for a long time, had hit us up previously and said, um, you know, you just brought up the idea of, of like doing some kind of production for Mosh Eisley in the future. And I was a little hesitant. I'm always like hesitant to take up anyone on, you know, any offer for something. Cause it's like, okay, we're very DIY. Do I want to be the guy that says, yeah, you can help, uh, get ready for my OCD and like a million bits of feedback on something that you're offering. For Thank God that didn't Little happen. to nothing. Yeah. Cause yeah, <laughs> really easy to work with. Um, so the, the reason you brought it up is because you and Kiefer work uh at a company which i'd like you to tell folks about that uh you, you do a lot of production for uh studio stuff not the movies themselves but a lot of like ancillary stuff so why don't you tell um the folks where you work and what you kind of do at, as your day job before we get into it yeah sure so for me i'm uh, uh work in audio post-production um i'm at one of the uh, main studios here in town uh, but i also have a side business uh, with an independent audio post place that is located inside of a production house called Soapbox Films, which is where Kiefer works. Um, they, uh, their bread and butter mostly is motion picture marketing. Uh, they do a lot of long, long form stuff, like the kind of like behind the scenes uh, things that sort of uh, complement the other, you know, traditional marketing, like uh, trailers and commercials that you're gonna see for films. And uh, because of that, they have a large shooting stage uh, that also includes a big LED volume. And uh, you should probably take it from there, Keith. Yeah, so um, most notably, I think the, they have an LED wall. It's 30 feet wide by 12 feet tall. And they've had it 
for about a year. Before that, they had a smaller one that we use for our, our fan film. But um, yeah, they, they, they're using virtual production in the same manner that is used on Mandalorian. Um, obviously not a full wraparound volume, but it's one wall. And for a smaller indie, indie house, it works perfectly. But yeah, the promotional stuff you'll see in theaters before movies for upcoming movies. That's the stuff that Soapbox primarily works on. Um, they also worked on the haunted the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which came out on Disney Plus. That was the first thing that they shot almost all at. They, all of it was shot at Soapbox, and ninety five percent of it was shot on the wall. Um, and they used it for like green screen and, and blue screen virtual sets. They built out, and I started working there in like twenty twenty one, I think it was, and and. I knew that they had it when I started working there and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to bide my time and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how this works and become the point person mm-hmm. that, that drives it and use, and like, I'm going to learn everything about it so that I can use it and maybe I'll get to use it for, for a fan film. And, and they let me use it and, and I learned even more about it during that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and once you wrap your head around how it works and how to use it, it just opens up so many doors. Like, it, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, dude, it it was so exciting when we when we first came down to see it. So we were there, Mike and I were there, Nick was there for, um, it was the LA Galaxy Star Wars night where we did a little, a little mini mosh and we came by and saw the wall and I was familiar enough with the technology from watching all the behind the scenes stuff. I pay a lot of attention to this kind of stuff. And having worked at Apple for seven years, we had a giant, wall in our store, which was not really so different from the one you guys have. It's a little smaller and obviously there wasn't, you know, the, the, the unreal rig attached to it, but I was familiar enough, but to see it in action and have you pull up a controller, like a literal, literal gaming controller, move around in an environment and then take an iPhone with a, yeah, there he is with a, a gaming, like just, you know, like a PlayStation or Xbox controller can, can navigate around the world. And then you pull up an iPhone with a tracker, you know, it's, it's imagine like a big iPhone case with handles on it and a tracker on top that, that tells the computer where the camera is moving that thing around. Just again, I knew how it worked, but to see it in person was like watching a magic trick, you know, like you get the magic book when you're a little kid and learn how to like do the sleight of hand thing, you know, and then you watch a magician do it and go, Oh shit. <laughs> but yeah, it actually works. You know, yeah, we had, we had a bunch of fun that day. I think that leading up to that, uh, Kiefer and I had seen the venue of where Mosh was going to be, took a look at the website. It's like, oh, damn, dude, they got a giant LED screen in there. I wonder if there's something that we can pitch. So, you know, I, I emailed the two of you guys, Mike and Adam, you know, with like kind of a kind of a small idea. Like, uh, I think I got inspired by Rise of the Resistance at the moment where, you know, they take over the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, maybe we can do like a little thing like that. And. You know, you guys finally came out. Come and check it out. I mean, this thing is for real. Let's come and look at it. And and uh, we had a bunch of fun that day. And Adam just started coming out with all these ideas. He's like, guys, let's just be Imagineers on this. Let's weave yeah. like, an entire story throughout the night. And everybody just got super inspired and it kind of took off from there. I think the I think the part of it looking at when we realized the capabilities of the venue, because I think that was that was probably the biggest thing that really set it apart was that we had this video board, right? Like when we were looking at venues and trying to figure out places to go, it was like, you know, we knew that our sweet spot was at about that, like, you know, five, five to 600 people seemed like it was appropriate for what we were trying to do. 
Um, we had some spillover in Vegas and that was fine, but like all in all, it's like, they're still, you know, our, our bread and butter seemed to be kind of this like, you know, dirty punk rock club where Adam and Nick and, and those guys had played before. So we've got this, we've got this idea and then we get this video screen and I, and I remember being like, we have to figure out how to utilize this more than just putting like graphics up there. And so I remember having this simultaneous thought of going, how do we do this? And then Jason reaches out and goes, are you thinking like, what if we did some kind of production? I'm like, yes. Cause then I didn't have to ask you if you were like, what do you think about this idea? I remember being like, we should do some kind of, um, and I was, I was kind of thinking like star cruiser level, uh, you know, interaction of, of something that we could do. And, and it was just like, it was literally like this collective idea that we're all in this production mindset, just fantastic. Right. And seeing that screen and how big that damn screen was at, um, at music box, I remember being like, I think they're onto something for sure. Let's, let's do this. The idea originally was, was to actually have some live music element brought into it too. But I think what we did ended up making a lot more sense. And I remember trying to figure out if it was just going to be flat video. Mm -hmm. And then when Adam and I came and played with that thing, it was like, whoa, we, there is like, this is big, this is big time for what we're doing. And then I think it really settled in. It's we've been sharing more and I hope that you've, you've all been following along with it and like watching what these guys have been posting about it. But like, as soon as I remember there was like, Hey, we're going to check in. We're going to talk about like some of these mosh assets. And I remember logging on Skype with Adam and seeing everybody there <laughs> in uniform yeah. with the background. And I was like, Oh my, like, we're going to do this. We're going to seriously do this. Um, it's just incredible. Like thinking back on it. And then mind you for everyone, like, I mean, I kind of want to go back and see actually when we started planning this, but like, when did we film all that stuff? We filmed that stuff back in June, right? Yeah. So the first shoot was May 19th. Oh, uh, wow. and yeah. that was with, that was with Ryan and Nick. And uh, yeah, Mike, it was so funny. We, we had talked to Adam about making sure that he could, could uh, do a zoom conference and direct remotely. So yeah, even though everything, you know, we were running the shoot, Adam and and you, Mike, were running the show, and <laughs> yeah. So you you Skype in, and you see your two buddies, Nick and Adam, uh, as scout troopers in the hallway of a of a star destroyer. Oh, Ryan and Nick. Uh, or right, I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah, and Nick, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Luke and Han style. So right. mm -hmm. it's like, what yeah. the heck is going on here? <laughs> yeah that 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 was like the added layer of number one. While wow, we're doing something awesome, and and then wow, look what we can do right now in this time. You know, you think back to, you know, just, just being a kid with a camcorder, like the kind of things we, we, we would all try to make, or, you know, a kid now with an iPhone, and how unattainable stuff like this was. Not seemed, it just literally was unattainable. You know, even like recording in a band, the, the very first recording I ever did with my band, my old new metal band back in the day, was like, I think it cost us like $4,000 it was a giant analog board, analog two-inch tape, and it sounded like complete shit. Like, we spent $4,000 of high school money, like kids, and it sounded like garbage, like complete garbage. And here we are, like 20-something years later, and Jason's doing these amazing audio mixes. Kiefer's got this <laughs> augmented reality kind of situation happening. I'm directing over the internet from Missouri to people in L.A., like, it's just like insane. And we did all this for a party that is Star Wars and emo music. 
Like it's just the whole concept is like, imagine explaining this to any of us 20 years ago. It's, it's kind of insane. Yeah. So technology was definitely working in our favor, but at its core, I mean, we were probably still those same four guys 20 exactly. years ago. Like it's, yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. This is a good point. This is a good point. Mm. Um, I think on your guys's end of, of things, I think what, if, if, if you're looking at it, cause Jason, obviously you were there. Kiefer had to stay home because he was on dad duty, but his wife kind of, gosh, like Anna became our kind of like, she knew it. I think her, her collectiveness of what, why she kind of rose to the, the grand admiral of the whole night was because like she had, she knew everyone for the most part. And I remember looking over Kiefer at your wife and being like, you look like you know how to get things done. And she ends up taking the night and basically like keeping the show on the tracks the, for the first one. Right. And so the process of knowing how much more we added into this in terms of like, we had to have beats. There had to be, you know, at this time, this was going to play, this video would go up on screen. Ramey's, you know, as, as officer Ramelay <laughs> is, is, has to have, he has to know where he is in the script. He has to be able to like, you know, and he had a ton of fun becoming a character, having this idea that, you know, you were going to interact with this. So on your guys' end, have you ever done anything like that before, almost in this like live experience versus the production world where we get to like do things multiple times and then also like once it's locked, it's locked. Like, have you guys ever done anything like this to this level? No, no. I mean, that's what was sort of daunting about it because nobody's done this. Nobody uh, short of, of Disney and Lucasfilm have done this. And we're we're just... We're just fans that are doing this. Yeah. So, Kiefer, you, you've done several Star Wars fan films. And I remember seeing, I guess it was your post about, you know, some some pickup shots that you did. Because you, you had some some actual, like, practical sets. And then you had some pickup shots that you did with the wall. And I saw that. I um, was very impressed. But, again, like, to Mike's point, that's, that, that's something that, that, that you create. You do what you do in post and you deliver it as a finished product. It's not like a stage show. So yeah. what what was that like thinking about thinking about how to deliver it in that context versus finishing it, rendering it out, posting it on the internet? You know, like with anything, you gotta do it right or you, you don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. At, whether it's production or live, that's you have to do it that way. Or or else what's the point? You know, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna commit and do it hundred percent it's not going to, it's not going to be a hundred percent. People aren't going to absorb it the same way. Mm-hmm. And part of it was, you know, at one point I think Jason said, Oh, we should just do green screen if we can't get the wall. And I'm like, no, Jason, like we have <laughs> to get the wall. That's, that's, that's the, that's the point because give me that wall. We could do the green screen. Sure. But then people will know people later, people during the show, it, it's not going to be that, that past the finish line, past the, the, the blow up point of what we got. And I think, you know, we worked really hard to make sure we could get the wall, and and that's what sold it, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, dude, it was it was, it was crazy how j- how it just looked to begin with. You know, just like raw, straight from the camera over Zoom. It was mind blowing to see how we could we could do it. We you know, it's it's not as involved as what they're obviously like what a, a studio like Disney or Lucasfilm is doing, but it it was just like such a a magical moment to go. It, it was like Doc Brown, it, like. 
with Marty coming back in time, showing him that his time machine works. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny you say Doc Brown because I tell people all the time the the key to virtual production is thinking fourth dimensionally. Mm-hmm. If you can think fourth dimensionally, you'll get it and just run with it. Um, you're going to have a hard time if you're not. You have to move the camera. I'm like you don't have to move anything. Just move the world right. and position your lights, and that's it. And you just go. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but T-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. So we should, before we talk like too deeply about what this whole thing, uh, what it was like behind the scenes, we should fill some people in because there were only 600 some odd people who got to attend Mosh and there's probably many people listening who, who didn't get to. So let's give them like just like the basic storyline and then we'll, we'll go in a little deeper. So I feel like we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But the idea was that initially we knew we wanted to do something where we had Ryan and Nick who couldn't make it. We wanted to have them on screen either introing the show or sort of communicating coming in via hollow or something like that. So it, it boiled down to this idea that they were going to sort of kick off the, kick off the show by commandeering a transmission from, from the empire. It's as if we're in this place, it's a bunch of rebel sympathizers. The empire knows that there's rebel activity. So this officer played by Ramey, uh, general Ramillay, we could tell the story about where that name comes from later. Um, <laughs> He's basically saying uh, there's been rebel activity in this sector. Uh, be advised, and anyone suspected of rebel activity, uh, you know, this is equivalent to treason and so on and so forth. But as, as he's spouting this imperial bullshit, Ryan and Nick hack in. They take over the transmission. They say the, the Empire knows where you are. Dressed in scout troopers armor, right? Yes, yeah. with yeah. the helmets off. Very, very like, like you guys said, Luke and Han style. As if they sort of like got into a Star Destroyer, got to a comm station, and went to warn us. So the idea was that Mosh Eisley is something that is like this beacon of hope in, in the rebellion and that they would be broadcasting it out to the galaxy by sending probes around the galaxy that would, would then like sort of relay the, the message. So we, we were, as a group of people, speaking to the rest of the galaxy to kind of wake people up. So they kicked off the show that way. And that was easy enough that we literally just did a playback thing on screen. Mike did a, a little bit of acting up front, you know, because we, we had the, the song that sort of preceded the kickoff of the night. He's like, let's go, Mosh Eisley. Let's do this. And then the thing comes on. But it was still pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. But then the next time that we see Raimi, we had just seen him on screen as, as General Ramillay. He then shows up at the venue. So, like, it's cool in our heads. It's cool on paper. <laughs> but I wonder what it was like for people to go, what? That right. dude? Like, they're going for it. Like, let's go to the comments. We have to, like, we're people putting it together. Let's go into the comments on the Discord and on the YouTube and see if people were putting it together. Cause I, I think 
Because we're like saying it like, yeah, it crushed, but we have no idea of what, <laughs> if it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like it was the kind of thing where even if people didn't fully follow the story, they were just like, oh, shit, that guy. Oh, shit, the umpire. Yeah. Just like <laughs> kind of stoked yeah. about what was happening, period. Um, point being, Raimi shows up. He's essentially like, okay, I've been hacked. There's something going on there. So the umpire shows up with um, troopers in tow. And he starts to address the crowd saying, it's clear now that there is some rebel activity going on here. We're going to conduct a thorough search of this whole place, blah, blah, blah. And as he's, as he's speaking, Vader comes on screen. Vader, who's very displeased with Remy's inability to keep the situation under control and tells him, you know, gives him the classic, like, you won't fail me again kind of thing. Force chokes him, you know, through hyperspace, essentially. He does a force choke on screen. Remy falls to his knees in the venue. So he's... He's acting against this pre-recorded thing of Vader that you guys also shot on the wall. Right. With a different Vader than the one that was in the suit later. Yeah. So he not only had to act, but the timing had to be in line with what was on the screen. So this finishes, there's then an Imperial presence. Vader says, you know, I'll, I'll deal with them myself. He's going to show up. So then he does show up. They have a conversation in person, but the voice of Vader, like, to, again, to add to, like, the complexity of this, the voice of Vader... Not only in the video was something that, that Jason made with, uh, was it Eleven Labs, the, uh, the voice um, deepfake type thing, right? Yeah. yeah that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was weird. This was crazy. Because <laughs> this, yeah. I remember Jason <laughs> sent this over and goes, hey, let's just try this out. And he sent the first, the first rendering over. And I was like, oh, no. I, I, think, <laughs> I, got, I think I got scared for the yeah. future. I think I watched Terminator 2. We are all. That. All doomed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Skynet is self-aware. It works really well. So then Vader comes into the room, and it's also all scored, too. Like, I, I pulled a bunch of stuff from the actual, the albums, you know, the, the original motion picture score that you can buy on iTunes or buy the CD, whatever. But there's a bunch of stuff. There, there are, like, different versions that were sold in limited release over the years that had the full score of the entire film rather than just like the bits and pieces. Because a lot of times you'll buy a score and it's, it's almost like medleys of the different parts. It'll be called, you know, like the, the Imperial Suite or whatever. And it's like just mm-hmm. a collection of the different parts kind of combined together in a long song versus what you actually hear in the film. So that was hard to find. I had to go rip some from YouTube to find the right cues that really worked. So I kind of went through the movies and thought, oh, that's a great one, but then couldn't find it on the score. You know, so there's like all this digging. So I make all this stuff, comp it together, send it to Jason. He then combines that with the Vader dialogue. And this is all like the right length for us to have Vader show up at the venue, walk the balcony, get to the spot, and then mime the, the, the lines that are coming out of the speakers, which Raimi is then acting against. And I mean... It's like the, the theatrics, like I can't, I just can't believe we pulled it off. Like it sounds insane now. Like why did we ever try to do this? You know? So he does this whole thing. Um, it went well. I mean, it's, it went amazingly given the fact that it we, went re- okay. it was we okay. essentially didn't have rehearsal, you know, like we planned rehearsal. We had it on the schedule, but because of all the chaos, we just didn't really have rehearsal. We had the script that Ramey was just reading through over and over and over we had the light guy in on and some stuff, but it, it was very loose, but we pulled it off. And then Vader essentially says, like, this place is now an Imperial holding facility. So he turns the venue into a prison, essentially. And at this point, we all go off stage, the crew who's on stage, and we change into our Andor Narkina 5 prison jumpsuits. So when we come back, 
We're now prisoners of this place. And we play out the next hour or whatever it is. The next thing, the next edit was I took a bit from the Andor funeral scene, the marching band. Mm -hmm. I found this amazing piano cover. I wish I had to do his name here. Piano cover of that, of that musical piece because it's, it's super out of tune. You know, the idea is they have these old rickety kind of horns. So it's all, <laughs> everything's really kind of gnarly. So I found this great piano cover and pitch shifted it in key with uh, Welcome to the Black Parade, which was the last song. Oh, no, sorry. Did I already did the one? No. Before this, Jesus, got so much stuff. So um, we did a thing. Rami's like, things are getting out of hand. Um, everyone needs to chill out. Uh, on program. Tries to put the venue on program, right? So we all get up there. We're all kind of acting like, oh, shit, we should be on program. You know, we got our hands up. And then I roll this edit that I did of Kino Loy from Andor giving the speech, the one way out speech that starts the, the prison escape. Cut out all the stuff about killing everyone because that wouldn't go over well in the venue. Um, but made this edit that happened to work so perfectly. Shout out uh, Henry Clark who got the, um, the got four, the 4K rip. The 4K rip and the, um, the f- 7.1 or whatever it is surround version of, of that Andor episode pulled out the center channel which typically, like in the center channel, it's mostly dialogue. You can still hear the score a bit. You can still hear some Foley, but it's enough dialogue that you could isolate it. So then I got the actual score piece that we needed that would work with the next song, which happened to be right in key with Fall Out Boy's Thanks for the Memories. And the tempo of the One Way Out chant happened to be And it's strings too. So like cut all that together. Everyone's chanting One Way Out. We push the, the Empire off the stage and then we just party for the, you know, the remaining several songs. What are you, some kind of musician? I'm trying. Dude. I'm doing my best. Uh, you know, Adam sent that uh, little suite that he cut together over, what, like just a few days before. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you guys. I, I heard it and I'm like, oh, it's going to take every bit of strength not to just not to just lose my shit and turn into a, 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 a blubbering mess, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I held it together, but boy, super emotional. You, you really hit all the right notes on that. It was awesome. Great, great touch on that. And I didn't watch it because I wanted to be surprised. And you hyped oh, it up. I'm like, I, I don't want to watch it. I want, I want to wait till I want to <laughs> save something for, for myself for the show. Sick. That's awesome. I didn't realize. It was the kind of thing where as I was editing it, I was tearing up like the whole time. Just one, just the, emo- like, the emotion of, of the story itself. It's like just such a powerful, awesome piece of cinema that we got in Andor. And then feeling it come together, it was just, it was like the force at work. The fact that it was in the same key, the tempo was so close. Like I have goosebumps just thinking about how well it worked. I just kept listening to it over and over and over and watching. Dude, so we did this. We're all on the one way out thing. We've taken over. We're raging. And then to wrap up the night, Mike goes down to the floor to give this speech about, you know, thanks for being here and, you know, what brought us together and so on. I don't even remember. I was just like too wrapped up in it. But you get this amazing little speech with the soundtrack that is that, that funeral procession music, the, the piano cover, which happened to go perfectly into Welcome to the Black Parade. And you invited... I, I, or did you cue them up or did they just come up on stage? I, I forgot exactly how we did this. We knew, we knew that I had to go into the, st- into the crowd to bring the attention to me so that they could get up on stage. 
without anyone looking at them, them being our buddies in the Knights of Chem. Yes. Which Jason doesn't know anything about that. So the it's the uh, My Chemical Romance, the Black Parade. Um, what what they wore through that whole album cycle, the the kind of marching band. What do you call those? The Skeleton. Yeah, the, the, those jackets yeah. that look almost like a rib cage, that style. Our buddy Zach the Maker um, has the Knights of Ren with those jackets on. He's got his Kylo helmet, of course. These dudes have like weapons that are built out of instruments and shit. It's like this um, incredible mashup. And then to top it all off, like the cherry on top, um, what's Captain Nader's real name? He's known as Captain Nader on... Um, I'm like, I'm like, should, I'm like, should we say anything? Because he's like, I don't want to blow up his spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Code Cap- names only. We'll, we'll go with yeah, handles only. Captain, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> he's in the chat, so I'm like, oh, no, don't blow up Nader's spot. Um, but but he, he, I mean, Nader is probably the, one of the best Wookiee builders I have ever seen. And best I've were, ever seen for sure. Yeah, if you were looking for a Chewbacca and his, he did a black chrysanthemum that had that is on stilts, and he's humongous, and he's got the you know he's got the the uh, arena armor on, and um, I got to see it. He walks in, he gets like puts the thing on. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. And for them to all come out, well, also he so he put the jacket on too, so he was black parade chrysanthemum. Yeah. <laughs> Black Parade Chrysanthemum. That's so good. So he's with, with the, the knuckles and the shoulders and yes. everything. And I mean, the, the the costume is really stunning. I was standing next to him out of costume uh, earlier that night. And I was surprised to find out that he's like the same height as me. It's it's unreal yeah. how large these things make you. It's, yeah. it's uh, pretty amazing. It's intimidating because it it's like beautiful screen quality, like studio production level craftsmanship for this for this Wookiee mask. I mean, like, dude, you just, you have to see, I mean, the, the pictures do, do it justice pretty well, but to see it in person is a whole different thing. And what's also really rad is on our side of things is that the Knights of Chem is made up of almost entirely everybody from, I think actually everybody from our Discord, like our literally our Discord community of Thank the Maker is made up, the Knights of Chem are made up entirely of, uh, our, our discord of other super fans. So it's like a full circle thing to get everyone there to do that. I remember kind of like having that moment where we all went up and everyone's hugging each other at the end. And I kind of was like, is this like literally the craziest, this is, <laughs> this is insane, right? Like this is, this is crazy that everybody in this room is like on the same wavelength. I, I, I don't know. I get, I get cosmic when I think about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and shout out to the Knights, of course, Zach. Uh, as Kylo brought us all together, Thomas, Kevin, Tyler, Logan, and Ethan, all, Logan, yeah. all patrons, uh, all in the TTM Discord. And boy, we've been on a group text for, I don't know, probably almost three months now preparing for, for San Diego. So, yeah, so cool. rad. It's so good. And the, the way it en- ended so emotionally like that was th- there's something about be- being like completely exhausted at the crescendo of a night of a piece of music of everything that makes it extra cool, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, Mike, you even cut it short. Cause you're like, they're f- tired out there, dude. You know, I, I, <laughs> I look out into the crowd and I knew that we had like, we had, you know, and again, for people who attended that are like, you guys didn't play misery business. You guys didn't play, you know, it's like, no, no, we, we knew that we had to play all that stuff. It was 
12.02 when I think we started the final part. And I looked over in the crowd, like, I can't remember. We was, <laughs> it was like a day to remember. We were doing something, right? And this girl, whoever was in the front row, she looked at me and she goes, I'm so tired. And I looked back at you and I was like, <laughs> yeah. we got to cut it off, dude. Because like, you think about it, like people had been walking around, like there were people that were logging like 20 miles a day walking around San Diego and, yeah. um, to come here. And like, this was, you know, I mean, Doris, the show started about like eight 30. I mean, that was three hours of, you know, you go see your favorite band and it's like, you know, you're lucky if they play like, you know, an hour, maybe an hour 20. Um, but to be there and just straight up hit banger after banger with no break really in between, I remember being like, I think we have to, I think we have to get this thing going. We got to shut it down. Um, and, um, and me almost passing out personally too. That was good. I had to have someone, yeah. um, give me some peanut butter to, uh, make sure I was, uh, I was, I was not passing out. So shout out, shout to, out uh, Steph. Yeah. <clears throat> Steph. And, um, and I think it was, um, it was so, she, she grabbed someone else's snacks. I can't remember whose snacks she grabbed, but she stole someone's snacks. And I'm very grateful for that. So at the end of the night, it goes from there. It was <clears throat> by far the craziest level of production. I think that I have been, I've been involved with productions on that level, but certainly, um, that was certainly the most cowboy off the hip way of doing it despite having amazing assets. So the fact that Kiefer's wife helped us in, you know, stay on track. I mean, we had to stay on program. You know, we're making changes like a week before. I remember dude, the day before I was going to say that day, dude, hundred percent, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And then also to have Adam's plane, uh, get canceled oh, and then have to rebook that morning. Um, I mean, it, everything that tried to go wrong, definitely, definitely tried to go wrong. Um, but looking back on it, I'm kind of like, uh, for people to go, that was, that was an amazing show. There's a part of me that was like, thank the force. Cause I can't yeah. believe we pulled that off. It's like, you know, like, a New Hope or Star Wars, as it was called in 77, like Jaws, like nothing working right ultimately. And I mean, some of that just being like the logistics of, of like getting there and all this kind of stuff and just like dealing with the limitations of the time and the venue and what we could do, yet pulling off this thing that ends up being so big. You know what I mean? Like the, the perceived production value of all of it, despite like the limitations of what we felt like we could or couldn't do was massive compared to these other just like dirty punk rock parties, like you said, Mike, that we, that we had thrown before. And to talk about like near death experiences, you know, in, in terms of like death of the whole plan, mm -hmm. like you said, my plane, my, you know, I, so quick recap, I was flying out immediately after the show the night before the 20th, we'd been playing at seven, seven thirty, seven forty every night on this yellow car tour. So I booked 10 30 plane figuring it's better to just get there the night before Morning of would work, but let's play it safe. So I had this flight booked. Turns out we play at 7.40 that night. So it was going to be super, super close. So I packed all my stuff. I had it sitting on the stage. I was going to go straight from the stage to the Uber line to go to the airport. Just so happened the venue in Atlanta was like 30, 40 minutes away. Not great. So we're playing a lot of outdoor venues, but we, haven't had, we, we hadn't had a, a, a single weather-related delay the entire time, the entire tour. Lo and behold... The day that I need to fly out, there's rain and thunderstorms and lightning. They push the whole show back a half hour. So I had to do the math and figure, okay, either I play the whole show, because I also had to check a bag. I couldn't just walk on the plane. 
So I play the whole show and risk not getting there in time to get my bag checked. And then who knows when my bag actually shows up. If, you know, let's say they let me on, who knows if my bag shows up, which has like the DJ controller, you know, all, all the crucial pieces other than my laptop, which I can stick in my backpack. I'm going to have to leave early. I'm like, I'm already skipping two shows. So our guitar tech is covering on bass for the two shows. We had sat in the dressing room. He learned all the songs we had sat and played and he played along with, you know, Josh, like just hitting a pillow with, uh, (laughs) with drumsticks and playing acoustics. He knew the songs. He's been with us forever. He's our good friend, but it came down to like, so could you, could you just play tonight at the point when I have to leave the show? Like if I just bail with two songs left, can you do it? And he's like, I, I guess. Okay. Sure. So that's what I did. We had, and I was watching my watch the whole time as we were playing, seeing like kind of where we were pace wise in the set. And I was already behind schedule. And I, I looked, we had two songs left and I said, all right, I got to go. It's time. Got on the mic, apologized to the crowd in my band, handed the bass to Vaughn and literally went off the stage and up through the crowd out the front <laughs> of the venue to get in a lift to go to, to the airport. I then got there and found out that my flight was delayed. Would have been nice to know before. The flight was delayed. It was like, you know, they had it back to 11 and then 11.15 and then 11.30. It just kept getting delayed. I just sat there and sat there and sat there at the gate until finally at like 1.30 a.m. they just canceled the flight. And then it was like, okay, I can, I can book another flight. They sent me the email with the options. None of it would work. It's, it's like everyone in the airport whose flight had been canceled was also clicking the, the United website to try to get a flight. And they were, the, flight, the early morning flights were just disappearing from the website. Just screwed. We're just, everything's screwed. I'm on the phone with my wife. She's freaking out. I'm texting the, the mush group. Everyone's freaking out. Nick's like, what's the contingency plan? And I'm like, there is none. I literally have everything. I have everything that is needed for the show with me. Like short of like just doing a Spotify playlist and putting a static image on the wall. Like I, I don't know what else. Like I have everything. So I'm looking at flights to like LA instead. My wife was there. She was going to come drive up, bring me down from LA booked like an $800 Southwest flight is a contingency. And finally, after literally standing in line for five hours with customer service, they pop up with a new flight for 10.30 a.m., which was already delayed, by the way. As soon as I got the notification, the flight was already delayed. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's not going to happen. Went to the desk and was like, is this flight going to go to San Diego? Yes or no? You have to put me on another flight if it's not. And she's like, they don't cancel flights in the morning. It's okay. (laughs) Not very nice. (laughs) I go, okay, fine. Do you know who I am? I'm the DJ of Mosh Eisley. <laughs> yeah. So I slept on the floor of the, of the Atlanta airport for maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half, got on the flight, slept a little bit on the flight, made it. And then, and, and there were loose ends that I was going to try to like tie up on the flight, just like with the playlist and getting stuff together. Didn't get to do that. Obviously got there the whole meet and greet. I was just up on stage, like at the computer, trying to pull the shit together, exporting stuff. Kiefer's updating things and I'm like cutting it to the timing of the, th- like, literally on stage <laughs> while doors are already open, rendering out stuff that's going to play up on the thing. And uh, it came together. Dude, I've got anxiety and I know it worked out. You're just <laughs> putting me through it again right now. <laughs> oh, God. It's like ultimately the shark came out of the water, yeah. bit the guy. Everyone was still scared. It still worked. Yeah. But Jesus, yeah. oh, my God. Worst travel experience in my life. The, like the most freaked out I've ever been about something like that ever. So the fact that it did go off as well as it went is just like, it's, it's hard. I I don't think I can overstate like the sense of relief at the end of all of it, you know? Yeah. And with, 
without everyone else there to, to help make it all possible, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what would have gone down. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. So let's go into, because I know that, let's see, what, what how much time we got, Adam? We, we, we're hanging out. We're doing all right? I don't know. 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, 15. Like to kind of go into why this, this thing was, was such a, um, was kind of such a bear was because we've got Jason, we've got Kiefer, and then we've got all of our friends over at the Dad Batch podcast who mm-hmm. were our costumers for this, right? So in the Dad Batch is actually, it's Ramey. It's uh, Joe Lara, who goes by Tech Bad Batch Online. You've got John Rodriguez, who's Alpha Ignition. You've got Brian Cook, who's uh, Sith and Ain't Easy, who wasn't able to be there, unfortunately. And and you've got – and then Stevie Kicks, who is th- – this was his first time wearing Vader in public. Is that what you said, Jason? Oh, yeah, whoa. that's what he told me. There were, there were multiple layers of complication with, uh, with his performance as Vader. Not the least of which is that it was his first time trooping Amazing. in a costume. Amazing. In public, yeah. Right. So that was so that was Vader's first that was Vader's first rodeo. So now people can start to understand like this is actually crazy that this all worked. So we've got the dad batch. Now, if you went to the first Mosh Eisley, you would recognize that Joe and John are were our storm our stormtroopers. So they mm-hmm. were stormtroopers again here, which is awesome. Um, but they're all like incredible costumers. Like, you know, they're they're this is what they do, right? And to be able to get all of those guys on and be able to spend so much time with them, for Raimi to also be able to have this out of costume officer that he, you know, Raimi's actually, I think he's one of the top I think he's top three or top two um, most costumed people in the 501st Legion. Like he has the most costumes in the entire club around the world. So he gets to be a different officer without a helmet on. He's, you know, he's normally the echo of the group uh, in the bad batch for those, in the dad batch for those guys. Um, And then he's also the leader of the 501st. Don't don't forget. Of the, of California, right? California. Of the whole 501st, right? That's what they said on ABC. Oh, geez. So, um, so anyways, to have those guys be able to help us again is like, it was absolute poetry to get all those guys involved in that, in that level. And to have, you know, Stevie be his first Vader to have Raimi be involved in this regard was like, I mean, it, for me, it's, it was like a celebration of like complete fandom because all of those guys, you guys like, and this is kind of what I said at my little, you know, speech uh, when we were getting up to it, it's like, this is the fandom. Like this, this is a truly unique set of like in pop culture 
this level of dedication to something uh, doesn't really exist outside of what we've built in Star Wars. And I think that everyone who attended, everyone who is behind the scenes, everyone who's helped us out with that, I think this is the highlight of why Star Wars is special, why Star Wars is unique, because, um, you know, I, I had kind of made this off the cuff comment about, um, you know, there's there's certainly something going on right now for obviously between the studios and, uh, you know, we have our, our SAG and we have the writers and we have all of these people who make who make this stuff happen. I was trying to say that, you know, uh, the studio buys the rights to it to make money off it. But like this was there was no studio involvement with this. This was literally fans just being fans and understanding the stories that go into Star Wars, what makes Star Wars really fun. Um, and so that kind of goes to show you that if Disney decided to cut Star Wars off tomorrow, um, we have all the ingredients to still make an amazing Star Wars experience as fans. Um, so I think that was really cool to get our buddies in the dad batch involved on that level again, um, to be able to have those moments of, of looking back at it. Cause I'm in a chat with those guys. I sent them a bunch of pictures and we're just like cracking up at, you know, how loose everyone got. And, you know, just, just really just <laughs> like, I think just, you know, commiserating over the idea of being like, everyone had fun. Everyone worked, you know, those guys showed up at four o'clock bringing multiple costumes in like Ramey did like, you know, we're doing like, three costume changes in one day. Some of those guys trooped that morning. Some of those guys were, you know, um, uh, of course, like shout out to Dave Nath, uh, who in, um, him and his wife came out as the Boba, as the, as Alex. the Boosh. Um, and Alex is, you know, Alex obviously has this great Boosh and David's like this amazing costumer too. He's got a, a crazy Cad Bane that he wore the next day. Um, and, and you've got, you know, then you've got Joe's wife was our Fennec. Kim, Kim was the Fennec Shan that came out. So you just got this, like, I, I, it's hard to describe like how deep the fandom goes when like, look at what we pulled off with, with our friends. That's really what it comes down to, right? Like the fact that we all know each other and we're able to pull off that level of a production with like literally zero quote unquote professionals uh, doing this besides you, Adam, you make your bills on music. Um, the rest of us are working some alternate version of it. Um, but I mean, creativity and friendship, like that's seriously what just that, that put that whole thing together. Or Mike, and if I could, some special recognition for Ramey Shannaday on that first, um, shooting day that we did with Ryan and Nick, yeah. um, who, by the way, they lit up like uh, four-year-olds whenever they were putting on their, their stormtrooper costumes for the first time. And <laughs> I know. I told I think, Nick, I'm I like, think, I think, I think you got to make one now, dude. I mean, you're, yeah, Nick it, is it, a scout, man. He's it fit, man. It yeah. fit. So Ramey decided to come out to help us out on, on set that day. Um, and you know, you got to think, I mean, that guy, he lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's driving two hours to get anywhere with people. So, uh, you know, not, not a hop, skip and a jump for him to get down to the studio. Came like a trooper on a Friday night, gave up his Friday night. We shot this thing. And we knew that our next shoot, we were going to have to be shooting this officer character. Right. And we all kind of looked at each other and was like, well, I mean, Ramey, you, you got the costume. Why don't you do it, man? So yeah. he chewed on it for a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So he stepped up like a champ. Yeah. Shot him. John Rodriguez came out and he was his number two, the line officer in green. And then we had uh, Anna Jenkins, Keeper's wife, uh, as a reserve tire pilot. There's, a, there's some looks at it there. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, Ramey could have been uh, credited as a key grip. You can see him holding uh, the red light bulb there. Yeah, on the, the right alarm, side, I think. Right? Exactly. That's uh, high tech, <laughs> high concept stuff there. Right. Uh, wanted to make it look like there was a flashing light inside of that 
So that yeah, that, corridor. Yeah. That is indeed the lead singer of Yellow Card right there, you guys. This is not CGI. This is not a deep fake. <laughs> That's really Ryan Key right there in the flesh. And at the time, he was uh, he happened to be in Los Angeles laying down some tracks for the new album that I don't think anybody knew about at the time. So yeah, uh, yeah. Double, think double, that. triple secret probation on everything we were working on at the time. There, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, uh, Ramey uh, totally stepped up. He ended up becoming a, a part of our our group chat throughout this entire process, uh, throwing ideas at us, you know, trying to you know uh, organize thoughts and and uh, really working it towards the goal. And you know, uh, very very grateful for his uh, uh, contribution to it. And then on top of all of it, he decided to also dress up in probably one of the most complicated costumes that you can put on in one day as, as Din Djarin, yep. uh, on top of all of it, uh, that night. So, yeah. uh, so your, your greatest hero and the most, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> reviled villain of the night was the same guy that night. Yeah. 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 Dude, he, he took the heckling like a champ just, uh, you know, cause you don't, you don't have to prompt anyone in the audience to start heckling the empire when they come out, you know, and they start talking about on program, like, we there was no need to add one way out as a chant in the audio. Like as soon as soon as he started talking, it, it just people went for it. Yeah. And uh, and then we and then we left him up there. And the troopers when we went to do a costume change during that little like new metal block, <laughs> I can only imagine what the vibe was like. You know, to like almost like WWE style, like being the villain. Yeah, the out there only in the direction ring. to him was just be a magnet for hatred. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got a shout out for him too. When when he when he got on his knees, and I don't think he told anybody he was going to do it. He just did it, and the stormtroopers reaction are like, "Oh, yeah, is he okay? Is yeah. Randy okay? Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah? That's so good. Yeah. So I, I think I think though, like what you're what you're kind of just looking at though is, um, again, you know, everyone's saying it in the chat, but you're really this is the fandom. Like this is this is the greatest representation of what. Uh, a collective group of people who, who as a group, as united people, love, uh, love a franchise, love a set of stories, um, and you can see how much work goes into what I think all of us wanted to do it right. We wanted to make it feel like it was something on the level of what you know Disney would have done, or what what you know Lucasfilm would have done for for an installation or something like that. Uh, and you can see that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't this desire to, you know, poke fun at, um, you know, we're, we're obviously having lighthearted themes because like the, the sense of the show is, but like everybody took it really seriously. Right. I would actually probably John, John Rodriguez is going to listen to this and, he, and I'm, and I'm going to call him out. Cause I go do keep your helmet on. He came out there with his hair, just flowing. He wanted to let people know it was <laughs> yeah. him. Um, yeah, yeah. but, but mostly, you know, what I, what I look at is just the celebration of the fact that we've all been brought together, you know, to kind of do this thing. And this was really the, the pieces that, you know, the pieces that connected. So, um, it's, it, it, uh, a core memory for me. I look back on the photos. I don't remember half of them. Cause I think I was just on a, uh, I was just on a, I was, my mind was, was focused on remembering all the songs that I had no idea Adam was going to play. And, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think from a, a technical, uh, a technical and a production standpoint, I mean, you know, we, we couldn't have done it without, uh, you know, the guys in the dad batch, Jason, without you, Kiefer, without you, without Anna, um, you know, there's, there's all of those people that came up and helped, helped with it. Um, truly, I think, I mean, we, I think, I think if I'm, if I'm speaking correctly, uh, we were one of the only parties to actually authentically sell out at San Diego Comic-Con, 
that wasn't some intentionally limited, you know, lottery drop or something like that from a studio. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's I think that's thing. pretty damn telling um, that people know that it's it's you know designed for fans of a particular <laughs> era of music of of our lives. Uh, but also people who understand that, like, you're going to come here as a fan of Star Wars and you're going to get a Star Wars experience that, you know, you're going to think is unique and super fun. And every show is going to be a little different. That's kind of the charm of it. Sure. And don't uh, sell yourself short. I mean, all of this, uh, you know, sort of uh, pre-produced content that we were making, you know, in the grand scheme of things, kind of a small part for the entire night. Um, You know, uh, Adam was the was the maestro of the whole thing. But pivotal, but pivotal, man. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's true. You know, but Mike, Stephen, Sarah, Dano, you know, just uh, dancing their their hearts out all night, and of course, all of the all the the lead up to it and the organizational stuff that, you know, I, I can't imagine how much uh, uh, how much stuff you guys had to go through to get uh, to get everything off the ground. So, anyways, it was um, awesome, Adam. You were you were showing Vader there for a second. That was uh, Matt Barker was our Vader uh, on set for the pre recorded portion of it. Um, and I know you were talking about the AI voice synthesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we ended up using, uh, a service called 11 labs. Uh, there, there's a few out there that are doing AI. Uh, the one that everybody probably knows, uh, is respeecher. That's the one that, uh, Lucasfilm is using for, for Luke and, and some others. Uh, their stuff is so good that they only work with you if they know, you know, what the, what the the final product is going to be because it's it's so good and potentially dangerous yeah. i guess but but it, as far as i can tell their process is not simply uh an app essentially that you you can speak into or type uh text to speech kind of thing they have a whole pipeline that they're doing that you essentially hire them for whereas 11 labs it's very much text to speech and you have a lot of you know you're using like a web app and there's a lot of parameters you, you can play with but it's just something you can access so that that's that's the way yeah, you uh, you went about it. Much in the same way as these other AI tools that are out there for you know people to you know to have fun with or, or other things. Uh, Mike, you know about this about Midjourney, right? Uh, you know you can give it prompts. Um, you know make it do things. So it took a couple of weeks to kind of crack the code for Vader. Uh, ended up feeding it a bunch of dialogue from the original trilogy. Uh, the stuff really didn't start to come to life uh, until we started pumping in dialogue from Mufasa, uh, actually, from both <laughs> yeah. both the 94 and the uh, 2019 versions of The Lion King. And that was whenever the AI really started to reliably sound like James Earl Jones every time. And I got a got a shout out. That was Zach the Maker's idea. He's like, hey, you should give us a Mufasa, you know? Nice. Yeah. Uh, and, it, uh, and it totally worked. Dude, did you end up using any uh, um, Coming to America? <laughs> no, you know what? I I tried to, and then it was starting to bend the accent a different uh, way. Got it. Right. Yeah, right. it's it's uh... very well. Then two million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could or or a Sandlot too. You know, you could also use that. Yeah. You know, George, Babe Ruth. <laughs> um, I think I think what's interesting the the part that was so rad about it was that it the first time I heard it, I remember being like. This is so good. This is so good. And I, and it just kept getting better the the smarter and smarter you guys were feeding it and kind of like, you know, correcting it. And I think for people who are in the audience 
for them to hear what it was, I mean, you know, there there was that bass tone um, of of the force choke that you know I bet if if people were focused on it and if you probably rewatch a video of it, you can hear that sound in there. You know, I mean, that was we tested it out. I mean, you know, to kind of like you know again throw it back to Jason. Um, you know, you you went down, you were testing this stuff to make sure that like it was tracking uh, in in the venue because the venue obviously is very specific to you know when it's finely tuned to their place. What's also crazy, adding another layer of of uh, frustration to it, um, whether it's like part of their business park that they're with or if it's with other people um you know they weren't allowed to literally play music or like like sound they weren't allowed to do anything before 5 p.m well the doors opened mm. at six so yeah. we had to assume that everything was going to work within the hour and it was like you know we were, we were you know you started firing it up we had all the stuff preloaded listening to it we're like does this sound good can everyone hear it okay cool 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 um so it, it was just an incredible process watching that come to life and being you know it's like every time i look down at the you know our, our chat was called like you know mosh eisley creative group or something and every time i'd get a chat and i would see a little file i'm like "Ooh, we're gonna get something new in here this is gonna be <laughs> awesome it again. right yeah, yeah. so it's it just goes it, i just think it really goes to show like how much work was put into like even the little nuance of like what the the two lines that we three lines yeah. that we made vader uh say and yeah you know in the in the in the show yeah, the vader stuff was really critical for the for the technical aspect of it and how it would play back especially that force choke again thank thanks be to the uh to the imagineers of the world who uh gave us the idea to give that little bass drop like uh for anybody who's written rise of the resistance whenever you're in yeah. the building so yeah that's what we were trying to emulate there but you know in true you know what i've come to learn mosh eisley fashion we had to throw a couple curveballs and somebody I don't know who it was, but it was an amazing idea to have the idea to have Vader show up on that third floor railing and overlook the entire crowd. It was it's a phenomenal uh, uh, misdirect, yeah. Yeah, that goes back to that, um, you know, the Jaws kind of situation where, like, we, we were working within the limitations of what we had, and the biggest one, stairs. funny enough, <laughs> being the fact that, yeah, Vader can't navigate <laughs> stairs without someone holding his hand. So we thought, okay, dressing rooms are on the third floor. What if he just walks the balcony? And not only does that eliminate the stairs, but it puts him on the high ground, you know, and it makes everything that much more intimidating because Mike, if you were, you know, if you were on stage and he can't like just the dynamics of it, we, we, we just kind of fell into it. The idea that he would be up there on top and it, it made it all the better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, and then he ended up, he did end up coming on stage, but I remember when we were in our Narkina suits <laughs> and he started walking off stage, I was like, Oh no, geriatric He's going is here. He's going down. So I remember like <laughs> wanting to run over there and like put my hands up be like, ah, you know, like keep him up. But, um, you know, that, it, it, and Stevie did amazing. Um, you know, so, so fun. Uh, you know, we're like tracking lights to make sure that it was going to hit him on the third floor. And like, you know, and, and Jason, you know, Jason, you're step, you're jumping in. You're like, all right, hang on. I'll, I, I got this. Let's, let's figure this out. I think that was, I can't remember if that was like security's call or if that was Anna's call or someone like all the things were, were making sense. It was like, well, we could try to do this. We could try to do this. And so from a technical aspect of, of that, that was probably one of the happiest accidents of the night for sure. Yeah. And then also, um, you know, Joe and John as the TKs weren't only, uh, you know, accompanying him uh, for aesthetics. They were also sort of providing, you know, actual, you know, like uh, sight line. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see a big white shiny guy yeah. in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, it was amazing. So, Kiefer, so all the renders you did, 
when we were shooting the 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 environments you had on the wall and then the assets that you made for the event the planets you know the sort of the the point of view of the probe approaching each planet we ran those for you know 10 minutes total each we had um navarro endor and tatooine how much of that did you kind of have in the can that you've that you created or acquired for your shorts and how much of it did you have to kind of just build the planets we got from wikipedia oh um, whoa i i because there was no good i wanted them all to like quality wise and texture wise to match like how much Fresnel you have on the edge of the atmosphere. I wanted all that to match. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only place that has matching sources is Wikipedia. It's it's pretty deep enough for each one of the planets, but um, I use that as the base. And then the star fields are st- stuff I, I have already. And um, I have more rendering right now for, for, for scum and villainy. Nice. Um, the, the HUD elements, I think Jason get, made those and I tweaked them to last the 10 minutes and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the the window thing, I think we went through like three or four versions before we landed on that shape because you wanted it to look like the um, the the viewing like a viewport. area from the yeah from from like the Death Star where it's not super imperial but it's more just generic right. Uh, and I think it worked out well for the venue and and for all the little TVs that were spread out throughout there, it worked out really well too. Yeah, yeah, that that was cool. I had no idea that those were going to be everywhere, so that that was pretty sick. Yeah. That but that one was a was an office from within a Star Destroyer model I have. Okay, that I used for my film. It was just something that was in there. It was like, a boardroom. It was a boardroom, probably. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 Grand Moff Tarkin's office from Rebels. The, oh, the uh, Ange- Angelo Gold- Goldfinch is his his handle on Instagram. He built that Star Destroyer to match the Rogue One. Uh, one they built. Oh, so, um, so he took it from reference and rebuilt it piece by piece. And he's put little things throughout there um, that I just keep finding. Like that office was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was I showed Jason this, but there's a pick, uh, a, a hair pick <laughs> in one of the hangar bays, and um, it's that's a nod to Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, we ain't found nice. shit. Got to call the so, shit. So yeah, it's yeah. hidden in the model, and I just keep finding these things, and it's. It's, you know, it's really cool, but. So did you, so, so that window specifically, did you just pull that into Blender or something and kind of tweak the aspect ratio to, to match what we needed essentially? Yeah. I changed the proportions to fit 16 by nine, uh, nice. which is what we knew that it was going to be at the, the venue. And, um, you talked about wanting to fill as much of the screen as we could, but so that it still looked like it was, um, a window in, out into something. Right. Right. It looks so good, dude. Like, yeah. you tried a you tried a couple versions, like kind of with that shape, and when you landed on that one, and then you threw the um, the filter to add kind of a glow of the, you know, ima- imagining it's it's an actual screen that's glowing onto that physical frame. Yeah. It was like, oh shit, that was that was a lot of cool. And then like, really I think it. the dot grid, like it, that, it just not wasn't a straight up hologram feed, but like what mm-hmm. Mike said, make it a dot grid to match, and then desaturate it, like what you said, all those little things just again, sold it and put it past that 100% effort, maximum effort. Maximum effort. And then being on the LED wall itself, it added like that that little bit of texture that comes from that Mm -hmm. type of display that just, it was like, you know, it was like in audio, like adding just a little limiter and compressor on the end that just kind of, it's the glue that pushes it all together. Mm -hmm. Uh, God, it's just, it was amazing. Like we could have had zero lights in just that wall and it, it, it would have done the work. 
I think, I think too, you know, and, and of course, like you're going to over, over, of course, the next week and however many months we're going to share these, but you know, Nicole Rourke and Shane, like they, I can't wait to see Shane's video. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, we tagged him in almost every, every piece of, of content we've got, but then, um, like Nicole Rourke, our photographer, which really cool. Again, like this is another like crazy connection. Nicole, Nicole Rourke is, uh, she's a, a discord member. Uh, and she's ma- mainly been Anne Berlin's uh, main photographer for the past couple of years, but she has also shot with you, Adam, right? And her like rap sheet of who she, what bands she has shot with uh, was almost every band that we played at Mosh <laughs> yeah. Eisley. Yeah. So I met her 12 years ago. She did the first round of photos, just like band photos for that band Drugs that I was in. That's yeah. when I met her. And then years later, she pops up you know, uh, telling me that she listens to the podcast and then became a patron. And here we are. It's, it's the force at work. And to have her be able to grab band style f- photos at a live right. show with lightsabers. Every, I mean, I'm just like looking through it and I'm like, I have no reason feeling like, uh, look, this school, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Everybody um, looks like a rock star. In those, just incredible. Photos, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, it's a, it's a, it's a thing of like, you know, I, I really, I come back to it just being like, you know, I think the force was certainly at work here, but also like just, just how many cool people have become part of this family of doing stuff. And that's really like, if there's a takeaway from it, it's a combination of like, say yes to things, um, you know, uh, chase something, even if it seems crazy, but then also like, just be cool with other people. You'll, you, you'd find that, um, people who want to do creative things are like, are like magnets to each other somehow, even Mm -hmm. if I live in Michigan, Adam lives in Missouri, you guys are in California. It feels like when we're have we have this technology to be able to communicate, collaborate on these projects. Like literally Matt is in his Vader costume and we're like going over the script with him. And he's like, you know, pointing at, you know, we're going to do uh, General Ramale, you need, and, Ad, and Adam and I are like, well, let's look at some references. Like, he actually doesn't point all that, like, <laughs> where does his hands go on the belt box? Like, you know, okay, stand there, hand up, you know, like, it got, it was nuanced to that point because we, like, treat Vader like he's such a, you know, like he's such a legacy character that mm-hmm. we didn't, we wanted Matt to feel like he was Darth Vader. Like you can just look the part, but like Chris Bartlett always says, like, once you put that costume on, get into character, you know? And I think for Matt and Raimi and everyone who was up there when they had to kind of turn on that, like, okay, now we're acting mode. Um, it was super cool to see those guys come to life and, you know, to have Stevie go and like channel his, you know, you need to be a presence up there. You don't need to be overly expressive. You need to be a presence up there to let people know that like, you know, shit just got serious. You guys, you know, Vader's here. Um, everybody, everybody crushed it. So I just, I thought uh, it's, it's special, man. It's so special. Yeah. And I think that Steven knew the lines that he was going to be pantomiming to exactly, uh, 10 minutes before yeah. the door opened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so. You'll follow the script. He's like, wait, there's a script? We're like, oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. We should have told you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, this is why making real films it costs so much money because the number of people required to, to do things at a high level that aren't prepared like 10 minutes before uh, that takes, that takes a lot of talented people, a lot of hardworking people. So, um, shout out to everyone who is on strike right now. And, um, 
listen, studios, just pay 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 the people, <laughs> give them what they deserve. That's not to even not to mention crew. You know, Jason, we talked about this. Like the actors and the screenwriters are on strike for a good reason. There's so many other people, so many talented people who are absolutely essential to make these pieces of entertainment a reality for all of us. And doing like a tiny little version of this just like really hammers home how big of a deal it all is. Right. Yeah. We're, none of us are like curing diseases or, you know, uh, you know, giving homeless people homes, but we're, we're doing things that make people feel something. And, right. and everyone who makes these things that we're, uh, we're making offshoots of, they deserve to be paid for what they do. Yep. So um, respect to them. Yep. Uh, we did have some very special guests uh, that we'll talk about on our uh, kind of our our more uh, I don't know I would say less productiony recap of of the night and kind of what went into it on our uh, our sister channel of Princess and Scoundrel uh, tomorrow night because uh, we had some people show up from Star Wars that I don't think anyone was expecting to actually show up um, and uh, we authentically blew them away with uh the excitement so i don't want to give too much away but certainly tune in tomorrow night um if if you're if you're curious about who we're talking about um but it was like there's so many like things that were happening that was like this is literally a core memory this whole night um and even going back and like jason i shared that photo of you and i walked into the venue and i kind of was like thinking like i'm like i think tonight's gonna be i think we're gonna have a little fun tonight (laughs) yeah we're gonna have fun um it's it's a it's a it's a special thing. So uh, you know, tune in tomorrow night uh, for on Princess and Scoundrel uh, over on YouTube, and and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, and just you know, you know, check the socials for those links. They'll be up. Let's probably uh, let's wrap it up here. Wait, 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 wait. What are we what are we doing for the next one? Or can we can't we can't? <gasps> nope, don't say anything. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's actually my role, Kiefer. I appreciate that you did that because these guys <laughs> yell at me all the time for giving away way too much information. Um, and that's uh, we can't. Well, I mean, no, well, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, you got them started now. That's it's fine. not going to be long before we do it again. We'll that's say fine. that. We'll I'm leave just it at saying, that. They have, tomorrow. God, you know, it's like it's hard. It's hard. It's no, hard no, to no. talk I, about. I mean, what are, what are we going to do for the next one? Oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. You have to decide if you're, uh, you know, they, there's two baseball teams, so I guess you got to figure out what kind of fan you are. Oh, crap. I gave it to me. Shut Dang it. No, we're not, we're not doing sports in this. Uh, you're gonna, we're uh, we're going to have to build some giant practical sets. I think that's the next level. Mm-hmm. Probably not. That's too much. We'll do that next year. Um, we'll build miniatures. Yes. Yeah, Phil, we'll, we'll get, get Phil Tippett. Um, Phil Tippett is just hanging yeah, out we'll waiting for us to call. Get Kate Savaker on the on the project. Um, let's wrap it up there. Jason Kiefer, thank you so much for everything. Like it, it I can't possibly thank you guys enough for what you did to take this thing to the next level doesn't even describe like how 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 much further we took this event and and what it meant for us, what it meant for everyone who was there. It was just incredible. So thank you, truly. Thanks for uh, having us along for the ride. And uh, thanks to, you know, it was a huge crew as well. There, it was more than just us two, so. For sure. Shout out to everyone. Um, anyone we didn't mention, we're, we're truly sorry. You can punch Mike right in the face when you see him for forgetting. Right here. Pretty sure Hold. it's Mike's fault. Hold. Right here in right the mouth. The All right, uh, Jason Kiefer, um, where can folks find you on socials or anywhere else on the internet if they, if they want to check out your stuff? I guess Kiefer, go first. Uh, at Jetstreak underscore Inc. I think 
everywhere youtube facebook instagram not threads probably we'll see i'm mostly hanging out on instagram at new hope underscore workshop doing a variety of things whatever i feel like putting up there sweet we'll put links in the uh in the description and in the the, the show notes and check out the stuff that these dudes do because it's all great it's great stuff watch all of uh Kiefer's fan films and then true. if you want to make one be inspired and make one and then buy a lightsaber off Jason to uh make your fan film that much better so I mean we're just like here let's go let's do it all right uh follow us on socials again it's uh all in the show notes and what else is left we don't have to promote a new event let's tune see in it. tomorrow tomorrow tune in tomorrow on Princess and Scoundrel on their on their YouTube that'll be uh links will be provided as well Everyone, thanks for listening and watching. Dudes, thanks for being here. And until next time, may the force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible. <laughs>